Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the 2022 midterms with Andrea Jones-Roy. So grab your checks and balances. And let's get civical. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And today, we are not alone. We are not alone, people. We have our first ever three-time guest-ter, our dear friend, Andrea Jones-Roy, joining us again. Welcome, Andrea. Welcome back. Thank you. how does it feel? It feels great. This is like like when Steve Martin comes back to host yes. SNL. Oh, we're going to give you a, one like, of those robes. more than anyone. We're going to give you a robe. Two yeah. more times you get a jacket, honey. That's what happens. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. I can't. Yeah. And then when, when other people hit this milestone, we'll all hang out together in like a sexy jazz club. Or yes. Whatever it is that they go. Perfect. Absolutely. Yes. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I'm coming in hot with some self-esteem. I'm like, hi, I'm like Steve Martin. Thank you and so you much. And you are great. You are our it. Steve Martin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the closest thing we oh, have. Oh, stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it's a fair conclusion scientifically that he and I are 100% equally successful. So this is yeah. Scientifically, I mean, yes, that is yeah. accurate. Mm-hmm. That's right. The yeah. data doesn't lie. Yeah, you were lie. looking at the stats earlier, Arden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not the data that I've chosen. Correct. We get to choose <laughs> yeah. our own data. That's what you're teaching us, is that we yes. choose what data yes. we want to yes. see. Yes. That's how, that's the best science. You cherry pick and then you get the outcome you want. That's science. Exactly. Duh. Everyone loves cherries. So. Exactly. Done. Done. <laughs> um, Andrea, for the people who have not had the pleasure of listening to you on the other mm. two times you've been on here, which if you're listening and you haven't, go back. Go back and listen. We've had very insightful conversations. So fun. But do you want to give a quick intro of who you are, what you do, and and sure. why? <laughs> why? I shall why? explain the, my reason for being uh, in in a two to three pithy sentences. Uh I am a data scientist and a political scientist, and I teach data science at NYU, and I got my PhD in political science, and I'm just going to keep saying those words over and over again. I basically try to turn the miserable world of politics into numbers Mm. in ways that are, we hope, vaguely reflective of what's actually going on. What that means is that most of the time I complain about 
how poorly other people are doing it. So I'm a lot of fun at parties. Mm. And when I'm not doing those things, I'm a stand-up comedian and we run into each other uh, on the streets many times, which is nice. And I'm a circus performer when people decide to ignore fire laws and let me set things on mm. fire in their venues. Ah, so good. So, Such a great multi-hyphenate. <laughs> like that's a multi-hyphenate because you got everybody thought it was going one way and then mm-hmm. yeah. we took a left a real turn. left turn. It's it's madness, and it, and I've disappointed everyone. Is uh, <laughs> is the punchline? It's perfect. <laughs> but you all are very nice, so uh, so thank you. Of course, we love having you, and yeah, it, what a time! What a time! I should say what a to time. have you back. Obviously, we have the the midterms. <laughs> Mm. It honestly, I'm mm. laughing because I think if I wasn't laughing, I would be on the floor in the fetal position because right. I just feel mm-hmm. like so much PTSD from the general elections of 2020. Oh my god! But still, yeah, I'm basically just clutching nails to calm down. Yeah, like just to regulate. I'm yeah. like, I'm not ready. <laughs> it's it's. I feel like it's like no. being forced to like put myself back out there after yeah. a hard breakup. Right. It's like I don't want to talk to anybody i just want to be at home no, no. i don't want right. to mind my own business and yet i am being right. forced to like be like put on airs that's that's how the midterms feel like to me right now yes. no i think i was trying to remember when when we last because i guess the first time i came on the show was probably ahead of it was ahead of 2020 yeah and then you're on and then i don't know what we talked about <laughs> after 2020 but i'm I'm with you that I feel this time like I'm in denial about yeah. it. Like, yeah. yeah, you need to get start dating again, but you're like, no, but I just am not. Yeah, I'm not ready. Able. Like, I, I hadn't. I can't. I really didn't know what was happening. I mean, I knew that like Biden's approval numbers were not great, mm-hmm. you know, which and it's midterm, so like generally it goes the other way from the party that has the presidency. But I really didn't know. I was like, how bad is it out there? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I, and this morning I went and looked at. The real clear politics, which is always such a hard name for me to say, I, like real clear politics. It's, it's like a tongue twister. That's just not fair. I think just clear politics clear. would be sufficient. Yeah. Is that taken? Why are, why are we? Is this a GoDaddy problem? Yeah, maybe. Probably. At yeah. this point, I feel like they should pay for the domain. Yeah. But I was looking at the numbers and I was like, oh, this does not look good for the Democratic Party, and and mm. it just, yeah, I was more. <laughs> I, I like looked at them and then immediately wanted to shut the computer and be like, I didn't see right. that. It doesn't exist. I, I'm going away now. Right. You know, I don't know. Like, what's your immediate like? How are you feeling about the midterms? You know, that age-old question of like, is the polling good? Like, have we solved anything <laughs> right. in that regard? I feel like we've been working right. on that for a century. I don't know. <laughs> right. Literally all of this century, yes. I think, is yeah. fair mm-hmm. on the polling front. Yep. Is the poll is, is this polling good? Like that's every every election cycle. I feel like is the polling okay? <laughs> is the polling okay? Can I right. even listen to this? Right, right. Is this yeah? Is is having these numbers worse than not having numbers? I don't know. The I am unaware. Doesn't mean it's not happening. I am unaware of major innovations in polling since twenty twenty. Mm. So I am inclined to think that. Barring some other underlying big change, we're probably still, and you're not going to like this, we're probably, and I, I hope I'm wrong, we're probably still underrepresenting the far right mm. and overrepresenting moderates slash slightly left of center people. But that could be changing. So the the story, so there's a lot of things that are 
problematic with polling. But the, I think one of the more compelling reasons for why we've been kind of missing the mark in the past few elections is something that maybe we've even talked about on this show, the idea of like tr- shy yeah. Trump voters. Yeah, yeah. So people being, you know, it's sort of like, there's a big response bias in terms of like, who's going to answer a poll? Well, it's going to be people who are engaged enough in politics to talk to some rando on the phone or online about it. And whatever demographic is more likely to like answer the phone for a number that they don't recognize or whatever. Right. right? So you're already getting a, a strange, not probably not so representative selection of people, mm-hmm. but it's people who are probably also going to vote. Uh, but, but the idea was it was socially undesirable to say that you were backing a candidate who was seen as perhaps more extreme. And so that's one of many reasons we might not have been picking up Trump voters in 2016, 2018, 2020. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I have several barf bags. Uh, in just, like, so. It's just been so it's long. Scientific nausea. So, but... That might be changing as we see Trump voters and far right people and various other election deniers and all of that mm-hmm. be more emboldened. And it's less of a thing that you would hold as a secret. So so it could be that that reason for why we are underrepresenting the right is fading, which is both good news from a polling perspective and sort of alarming news at a deeper level right. if you're on the mm. left and you're like, oh, we've normalized this. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're like, at least, at least we're all out in the open, but right, now I'm right. more scared. I did want to go back to something that Arden touched on up top because I wanted to pick your brain about this phenomenon of why you think historically when a party takes the presidency, the next midterms, like this obviously happened with Obama and it's projected to happen with Biden, the opposite party like has big gains during the midterms. You know, I'm just curious of your thoughts on that, just as on a personal level. And then from like a data perspective, like what the trends are that cause people to sort of switch in that way. I mean, and maybe it's not even a Mm -hmm. switch. Maybe that's the wrong way to categorize it, but I'm just, I'm, I've always, it's always been such a interesting phenomenon to me that that happens. And it's like, almost feels like a guarantee. Right. No, it's, it's, I think I'm trying to think if there is an exception and the big one that that political scientists have hand wrung over for some time isn't even an exception to the rule in that you're right. It's like the president, whatever party wins the following midterm, that president loses or that party loses uh, in the midterm. The only one that, that got political scientists all wound up is is a midterm during the Clinton administration just after or during the Monica Lewinsky I shouldn't even. I still say it that way, right? The oh, the whole yeah. business when he was when he was a taking advantage of Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Monica Lewinsky. We love you. Oh, who's awesome? And oh my gosh. Yes, she's awesome. They did you dirty. Mm-hmm. We are we are yes. allies of Monica Lewinsky. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so during that whole thing, everyone expected Clinton to get beyond destroyed in the midterms compared to just regular destroyed. And he was only, I think, regular destroyed. Like he, the Democratic Party did okay. I might be even misremembering and maybe it even gained a little bit, but basically it didn't go nearly as poorly as anyone thought. So that's how robust this is, is that you can count on it. But anyway, it was was a huge surprise that, that Clinton wasn't as destroyed. Other than that one time, it's a pretty reliable thing that, that we're going to lose the 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 ruling party. I shouldn't say the ruling party. The, <laughs> the monarchy will do. The queen. <laughs> Couple of reasons, right? So why is this? Ha- why does this happen? One is that people tend to be less interested in politics when they're doing 
air quotes, heavy air quotes, better or well. Mm. So you say, mm. well, I'm in my party's in power. Biden's in power. Democrats don't need to struggle as much. We're going to keep going. And so the other side is all riled up. And so we saw that with Democrats in Trump's midterm. And I think we're going to see that again here where you kind of get lazy, basically. Another one is that I, this is more personal. I think Americans think the president and the government can do a lot more to improve things mm. than they can. Yeah, correct. And a lot of the stuff that we care about is stuff that, you know, they can play a role in, but the effects you see in a majorly delayed way and they take a long time. And generally it's not just them pulling levers. It might be a lever followed by a cascade of things that roll out over years, if not longer. And, and Americans don't have that kind of patience. And so basically you elect someone and you say, let's go, we're going to fix everything. And then you look around and you say, well, things aren't better. Ah, let's go back to the other guy. And you go to the other side. And so even, you know, people on the left aren't going to go out and vote for Republicans, but people who are kind of in the middle who, who chose Biden as like a stopgap from Trump might say, okay, yeah, but the Democrats are messing this up. So let's go. Let's go the other way. Uh, back to the other side. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It's. I mean, I. I do not have a PhD in political science. I only have a bachelor's. But the thing. That- <laughs> You're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> well done. Way to brag that you got out of the church yeah. earlier. Mm. God, rub it in my face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but one of the things I remember learning about was this like idea of for uh, idea and desire for balance. You know, like not even on like a on a personal level as a voter, like things aren't going the way that I wanted them to when I voted in this president person. And so I'm going to, you know, make a decision Mm -hmm. to vote for the other part. It's more like, well, this party has power and this party should have more power. So Mm. like this, you know, the idea of, you know, like races in Ohio, like all those bellwether states where they kind of flip with the tide, kind of a voter's idea of almost fairness in a way, like, you right. have some power. Let's give the other like side. Like the checks and balances. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which is always very interesting to me because I'm like, I get, I get that from a, I don't even know, like a holistic standpoint. But on the other side, I'm like, that's not real. Like, <laughs> then we're just, never. we're never going to get anything done. You know, it's right. like, it's never going to go anywhere. Right. It's, it's, I think one of the sort of, I, I think you're right. It's like a holistic ideal yes. in a way. But it's certainly never been something that I've considered even once when I go to vote. Yeah. But maybe that's because I vote in New York and my vote doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so that could be. So there's no point in even thinking about it. At the local level, sure. But yeah, I mean, the, the checks and balances thing has been built into the American psyche in a way that shocks me, mm. actually. Like I do an exercise with my data science students where we talk about measurement, my favorite topic in the whole world. And I say, how do what if we wanted to measure? Is the world becoming more democratic or less democratic? Is the U.S. becoming more democratic or less democratic? And I say, well, step one is what do you mean by democracy? How might we measure it? And I in most of the research starts from the perspective of like, do you have elections? Are they fair? Are they consistent? Da, da, da. Uh, but inevitably, one of my students will say, democracy means checks and balances. And I'm like, oh, right. I forgot. Mm-hmm. But every, I even taught a class on democracy where we talked about all these different things and how you measure it. And most of it is about election and concentration of power and all this stuff. And then they'll just write checks and balances on the exam anyway. And you're like, something is happening in our <laughs> civic education. But it, it's true. <laughs> it's literally from like, it's schoolhouse rock era type of uh, yeah. education where yeah. it's like, it's, it's honestly, it's. It's U.S. democracy is where checks and balances mm-hmm. live. It doesn't really live yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, like the idea of having certain entities make sure the other entity doesn't get out of control like that exists in other right. democracies. Right. But in ours, it's right. called checks and balances. And it is 
in the education system, what makes our nation so special is that Congress checks the president and the Supreme Court checks the Congress. It's like it all, they all check each other. And that's from beginning. Yeah. And and to Arden's point, maybe the fact that, that we do see this churn is, air quotes again, good, that it's checks and balances in action. And so regardless of the underlying drive behind people voting in different ways, it actually does keep, <laughs> keeps us very stuck, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, when you think about, I mean, I don't even know where, do you know where the term checks and balances came from? That can't be like a founding fathers thing. That sounds too modern. That's I such a good, know. it came from my probably fourth grade stole social studies book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like. It's uh, from Texas somewhere. Yeah, it's it's definitely French. <laughs> or, or <laughs> right. something. Le checks and balances, no? Chica. Like traveler Chica check. Balance. It's like a cue. Yeah. yeah, we absolutely <laughs> stole it from somewhere. That's how everything, yeah. we stole yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> It's liberating to be able to just take what you I want. I know. It? It's oh, really no. nice. <laughs> it's really, and be like, this is ours now. That's us. Yeah. It's us. It's you, yeah. not us, not. I mean, the thing we haven't, I don't know if we want to go here, but the thing that I think makes this midterm different from other midterms, yeah. in my mind, is that 2020 was such a nightmare in terms of the disputing of the election outcomes. Yeah. And I think this election is the first one. I mean, historians come at me if I'm missing a big one. If you've been doing deep dives into history, tell me if there were others where I don't know of a time in United States history where a sizable proportion of the electorate just decided the previous election didn't count. Yeah, no, right. And I'm genuinely scared. Like the reason I'm having trouble keeping my eyes on the midterm without breaking down emotionally yeah. is that I'm genuinely scared about the loss of legitimacy in the system. Yeah. And that's something that is deeply horrifying. It's, it's frightening. I mean, I was telling Lizzie before we hopped on, like I, I was, you know, doing a little bit of searching around on the interwebs for various midterm related topics and polls and races and all that stuff. And I came across my, I just always assumed that my hometown race, which is Ohio's ninth district, Marcy Captor, was like completely safe because she's been there mm. since before I was born. So she's been there since 84, I think. And she's been there for 40 years. And there's a whole conversation that can be had around that whole type of thing. But she's supposed to be safe. And I looked at her opponent and there, it was like originally a toss-up on real clear, real clear politics, and then I think maybe the AP moved it to leans Democrat. But I was like a toss-up, and the guy who's I don't know if you know anything about this race, the guy who's running against her is was like there on January sixth, like he's you know Toledo guy, grew up there, Polish, like in a ways he really in, in a lot of ways he fits the kind of demographic of that district, but a January sixth guy and somebody who in recent weeks the ap has done a lot of digging and found out he's lied about his military stuff and all of that so i was like right we it's exactly the thing that you're saying which is this it's the legitimization is that a word of this idea that that election was false and Mm -hmm. now i'm going Mm -hmm. to run in this election and one of the things on his on his issue platform is you know making sure elections are fair and da, 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 da. And I was like, how do you, but what is even your barometer of what is fair if the things that we've had in place and we have all agreed on for how many years, decades, 
that this is how we count ballots. This is how we report out the results. This is how, and then there's a peaceful transfer of power. Like, I don't even know what, how to, like, what would they think fair would look like if it just turns out in their favor? You know, like, or like if he loses, what is he going to say? It wasn't fair that, I mean, there was a box of ballots in the high school gymnasium. Like, I don't, what is fair? (laughs) Right. I mean, and we saw Trump, I know you're not talking about Trump, but we saw Trump setting the stage for this leading up to 2016, where he was like, you know, it's probably not going to be fair because he probably thought he was going to lose. And then when he won, you didn't hear a murmur of like, well, let's check the integrity of all of that. right? Right. And so I feel the same way that, you know, if 2022 goes, it's a lose lose for Democrats, because if it goes the way of Democrats, we're going to keep arguing about whether or not it was a fair election. And if it doesn't, then we're in trouble because we have a whole bunch of January 6th people. Yeah running the country and it's it's terrifying and and you know republicans have been playing a game of questioning voting and voter id like you know 2016 and 2020 was not the first time that we we heard conversations Mm -hmm. around legitimate voting it's been something that republicans have pointed to for a really long time and i remember you know voting in in michigan in in the early 2000s and 2010s where there were debates about who could vote and yeah undocumented and, and and Pennsylvania I think passed voter ID laws that ruled out a lot of people all this stuff so it's it's not like it's new for Republicans but I I think we've never seen it be the case that a party is like nah after the fact the rules in retrospect were wrong yeah, right like we've always heard it as a lead-up kind of thing like you should have an ID and you need to make sure if you show up to the wrong place to vote you can't vote later in the day and like just making it harder for people who are generally uh, less wealthy or uh, less documented, uh, I'll say, Mm -hmm. to vote. But now it's like, oh, you didn't like how that soccer game went? Fire the refs. You don't get to do that. That's just (laughs) soccer. Sports doesn't work if you dispute the rules. You can say that they made some bad calls and you can say that it was, you know, blah, blah, blah. We didn't like it. But you don't get to say, actually, touchdowns are worth six now. Right, right, right. worth six. I I I can't talk about sports. Yeah. Sports, 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 sports. That that fell apart. I mean, one of the things that, and this is very, very chilling, I think, is that the measures for democracy that different scholars have put forward, like it turns out it's very, very hard to measure democracy. Mm -hmm. And you might, if you start with elections, you're missing a lot of other things because there are a lot of sham elections out there. And so researchers said, well, all right, what, what, what? needs to be going on with these elections in order for them to be considered democratic. Because otherwise, like, Iran, Russia, all these countries are just like, they're democratic, I guess, right? China has local elections, so they're democracy. Not quite. So there's, like, three other mini rules that you have to follow under a lot of these different measures. And one is, uh, you know, elections happen repeatedly, so you can't just have one and say you're a democracy. You have to have one, like, on a regular basis, you know, minimum of three or something before you can even start to be considered as a democracy. (laughs) Check. The other one, yep, the other, so check mark. Yep, good, good U.S. Uh, check plus almost. We've really been going for some time. Yeah, yeah. I'd run. say I say the frequency <laughs> yeah. thing. We got it. Yeah, because these things keep rolling around. <laughs> it's all the time. Yeah. It seems like if you consider the local election, you're like, what are we voting yes. again? Okay, yeah, yeah. fine. But fine. I'm not gonna. Uh, we have many problems. Voting too much is not at top of my list. So fine. <laughs> Number two, uh, you have to. Uh, what is it called? X anti uncertainty. You have to not be able to know exactly ahead of time Mm. who's going to win the election. So if you know ahead of time, every time you're like, Putin's going to win, 
this yeah. person's gonna win. You're like, nah, not a democracy. So that's so we have that. We sure do. We're sitting do. here having this conversation. We love yeah. a surprise. We sure do. Right. We really yeah. love a surprise. Right. We love. <laughs> it's a it's a shocking. <laughs> I feel sick just thinking about election nights because they're so uncertain. Oh, okay. So so check mark there. Number three is ex post irreversibility, meaning after the election, the party that won or the person that won should take must take power. Yeah. So if you have an election, it's uncertain ahead of time, but then after the election, the military comes in and says, nah, the original guy can stay. Then you're not a democracy. Right. And that's the one that the U.S., I think, is faltering it's on. toying with. And yeah. Yes. And both sides have reason to be concerned about this, right? Because if you are a January 6th person and you genuinely believe that Biden should not be in power, you already think that our democracy is over. Right. As people on the left who did not participate in January 6th, I don't want to assume where you were on January 6th, but if you were not there, you're concerned that, you know, we're hanging on by a thread and after 2022 midterms, it's going to fall apart. So that's the, that's the snag in the system. That's yeah. a snag. By the way, that's not a perfect measure. I, I could be wrong about this, but countries like Japan and Mexico, where mm. the same party has been in power forever and ever and ever, but we do think of their elections as otherwise, you know, checking all the boxes. They they kind of get like a pass as democratic, mm. but they don't really have enough change in power to count according to a lot of measures. So they get like inadvertently ruled out. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Is there a country that's doing democracy under those measures like really well? <laughs> yeah. And, and and who are they? Uh, and, and who is and it? And what's the cost of living? <laughs> they Right. They they are the ones that you can think of and I can send you some maps. Uh, uh you know, it's it's the Safe zones. <laughs> Scandinavian yeah. uh Australia, New Zealand's crushing it, you know, Canada he, touch and go but much better than the US. I mean, the other part of all of this, I should say, is that these measures are all built, not all, but most of them come from, you know, Western European, North American, white men Mm -hmm. who say, well, how are we going to measure how a country is governed? And they're going to focus on, you know, the the institutions more than kind of the experiences on the ground in part because they're easier to measure, but also because you benefit from those systems. So you're going to focus on things like, Balance of power, constraints on the executive. So another another measure focuses on if the president wants to do something, how constrained is he by other stakeholders mm. in doing that mm. thing, right, or right. she or they, right? And so there's a lot of really interesting measures there that get away from elections and more into that, so constraints. Um, and there's others that are like, how how readily can you participate in those politics? So what, per, what, what percentage of the population actually does get to vote? What percentage actually does vote? If you could, if you wanted to run for office, what are the barriers to entry for running? Right, so right, So there right. are more thoughtful measures. They all still tend to point in the same direction where Scandinavia, Canada, Australia, <laughs> the former, com- the, the Commonwealth and uh, Scandinavia all tend to do quite well. But it could be that we're really missing some important measures and we're really missing some important things like around diversity and racial equity and Mm. freedom, but freedom of what kind. And so we don't have measures that kind of get to experiences on the ground as much as I would like to see. So it could be that those countries are not the perfect democracies that we think they are. Last I heard, Sweden is crazy racist, and we're just not picking that up in our measures. So so it it depends on on how you want to look at it, but... uh, but generally, most maps point to those countries. Right, because it could be okay. different on the ground. Like if you're like a measure could be, I think like if it would be a percentage or a number or whatever, like access to ballots based on, you know, like demographics and, right. ra- you know, race or not age, maybe. But, you could imagine one you know, like, and, and maybe this exists and I just don't know it. But there but there you could imagine one that's like a representation metric that yeah. says what proportion of the population is of this background, what proportion of the leaders are of this background. And that could be race, ethnicity, gender, age. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. And for like percentage of population compared to percentage of voters. Yes, exactly. Circling back to the what's coming up in arguably what, two weeks? Oh my God. A sh- I want it. A shockingly a shockingly short amount of time, um, but will probably be only just a couple days um, after this episode airs. I'm curious because I've been 
you know, monitoring projections of the midterms in a very like superficial way, because again, it just brings me anxiety. And obviously, like, I felt like at the top of this year, it was pretty certain, like all the projections were that the GOP would retake one of the two, maybe both, but then it was like probably just the House because the Senate candidates aren't super strong for the GOP. And then the Roe v. Wade situation happened at the top of the summer, and there were kind of mutterings mm-hmm. of, oh, could this improve mm-hmm. chances in the midterms? And then it became very much this touch and go of the Democrats may have a shot. They may keep the House, blah, blah, blah. And now I feel like we're settling back into the GOP probably retaking the house is that also what you've seen over this (laughs) over the course and like what the data has seen i mean is something like a roe v wade reversal actually realistically enough to change this kind of what feels like predetermined outcome of the opposite party taking something back curious to hear your thoughts right well here's here's on a personal my personal reaction, because that's what everyone mm. wants, is yeah, is this is horrible, right? But we're in a circle of trust. Is oh yeah, Roe v. Wade. Shoot, we got to really protect that. Oh wait, it's over. Mm-hmm. Ah, f- there's no point. We already lost. It's the Supreme Court. So it's the discouraged voter is is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I make a living in politics, and I'm trending hard towards discouraged to the point where when you brought that up, I was like, oh, right. That was a reason we were all going to go vote mm-hmm. in the midterms. And, yeah. and I'm wondering now if they thought about this very carefully and said, yeah, we'll announce this. I mean, if, if they had announced Roe v. Wade now, oh, yeah. it would play a huge role. Voters, unfortunately, are very short-sighted. And we yeah. saw that in 2016, potentially, we don't know for sure, with the release of um, that information about Hillary Clinton right before the election playing yeah. a big role. So right. the fact that this was a while ago suggests to me that it's not going to be as big a motivator as we all thought it was. It should be. It, it should, should be a huge right. motivator. Yeah. Right. Because if Congress gets a hold of this and does what they want to do with it on the right, then that's even worse than what we already have. One problem to get out of my own personal uh, views on this, I think one one challenge for Democrats is that Roe v. Wade being overturned doesn't affect the states where most many of us live. And if you are yeah. a Democratic voter in a state that has been affected by Roe v. Wade, you're much you're already such a minority in many cases that you may feel there's no point in voting because whoever whatever local yeah. candidate or representative you're voting for, it's gonna go red. I mean, not necessarily in the states like Ohio, like you were saying. Um, but it's sort of like the, you know, if I vote in New York for a Democratic whoever, that's not likely to change the broader national outcome. Right. And if I'm a Democratic voter voting in a very, very red state, that's unfortunately also not likely to change much of anything. So it's almost like, why bother? Right, right, right. <laughs> and the percentage of like Democratic voters, you know, the blue states already have state laws, most of them to some extent, I think, have laws in place protecting abortion and the right to choose and all of that. So for us in those states, anyway, yes, our vote doesn't usually count to a person in a large way nationally, right? Right. But then also just the impetus is, is like the air is taken out of it because there's no threat to us. Right. 
which is which sucks yeah. because yeah. I care about access to abortion and healthcare all across the country and across the whole world. But it's it's Americans, it's humans' inability to kind of react, take action to things that are not immediately affecting us. That right kind of hampers the whole urgency i mean what's crazy about it though is that like roe v wade affects half of the population no matter where they are Mm -hmm. scattered throughout the united states and you know like we've been talking about when that happened it was like this could be the thing this could be the thing that galvanizes the democratic party for the midterms this could maybe they won't lose as badly or whatever and then now you know nobody really talks about it and it's pitter-pattered away meanwhile there are all of these people who were at, you know, at, at, in D.C. on January 6th who have made their, like, campaign about something that happened two years ago. And it's like this – and that's the difference between the the people in the parties, like Democrats and Republicans, that I'm just like, how do we get some of that? You know, like, how do we get some of this yeah. Republican staying power to our to our side so that people, you know, like they remember and they stay with it? Like we had a big like a big resurgence <laughs> after Trump was elected or not resurgence, but a big yeah. surge uh, in that. Yeah. But, but then, like, nobody really knew what to do with it. And people weren't used. Right. To, I, I don't think the Democrats I don't think Democrats as a party and then like the individual people were used to like hanging on to anger long term and turning it into we need more grudges we need more grudges like we We need need more more... grudges we can't we have to keep grudges better better like gop stands for grudge over prosperity i don't know that's great put that on a bumper sticker but but do you know i mean like can't we just yeah let's take a lesson like i i just let's hang on to this this. yeah Let's get mad. Let's get mad. And, and stay mad. And stay mad. Yeah. If you stay mad, you don't have to get mad. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this, is this a therapy session? Oh, my God. I need... <laughs> do you feel better? If you need to cry, I feel a lot okay. better. <laughs> yeah. What do you, now, finally, these knives have a purpose behind there them. There you go. There, it's there the it is. the anger. You, yeah. Uh, I mean, Democrats, we're, we're both... I'm speaking very broadly here. We're both very optimistic and, like, in denial, but also quick to kind of give up, yes. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Mm-hmm. And that's not just limited to Trump. I've been feeling that way since I started voting. My mm-hmm. first election was... Maybe we've talked about this. My first election was the Gore nightmare. Oh, God, and, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, so it doesn't work. <laughs> like, the whole thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got it. Nope. Great. Yeah, I was like, oh, I see. The game is 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 bad. Uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, I, and I think that, you know, after January 6th, we were like, okay, well, clearly the the right will be brought to justice and we're seeing these trials happening and no one's paying attention to them except for people on the left. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. we are slowly losing interest, which is insane. And then the people who were running in all the primaries who are now in the, uh, the regular midterm elections, who are all January 6th people, I read stuff that was saying, yeah, they're, they're winning in the primaries because of how primaries are run mm-hmm. and it's the far right, but they're actually, there's no chance they're going to do well in the general election. And then Arden, as you point out, they are doing kind of mm-hmm. well. Like we keep thinking, you know, justice will come and we will get back to normal. Right. But we also keep like getting, checking out because it's so painful to think about. I mean, I, maybe I'm just yeah, yeah. oversharing my own personal no, I think that's, <laughs> misery. I think that's absolutely correct. And like painful to think about, but also just so unwieldy. Like, 
how yeah. to even grasp. Like when I this morning when I was Googling around, I was like, oh, the the race in my hometown election. I was like, that is an mm-hmm. access point that I understand. I understand mm-hmm. the person who's been there. I understand the person who's challenging the person who's been there to to a certain extent. Like I get where they're coming from. Because otherwise I look at all of these data points and I'm like, I don't even know like where to where to start. Like if you just look, I mean, you can look at the favorable and favorables like I mean, I have them up on my screen right now. Like Biden's average is like negative 7%. Like his unfavorable is 50, 51% on average. But then Kamala Harris is worse than that. And Trump's is worse than that. So I'm like, how do you, yeah. what is the rationale? Where like, <laughs> who is, who is favored? Who, who yeah. is favored? Who do people like? Because if, if it's not almost like if they, if Trump's favorables were like, you know, in the 50s, 60s, I'd be like, yeah. ah, God, we got to fix this. And we do need to fix stuff. But like, he's not he's not well liked. It's like, how are these people? I mean, maybe it just goes to your point of I don't even know what my question is at this point. I'm just like talking. Yeah. Like, but it, maybe it goes to your. <laughs> All of our questions are just WTF. WTF. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost as though we're it's not almost as though I think we are in an era and I don't know how long we've been in this era where. The individual candidate doesn't matter. Almost. Mm. It is, if I am voting for Marcy Captor, I am voting for Biden. Mm. If I'm voting mm. for, you know, a GOP candidate, I'm voting for Trump. And that, like, that overrides, that's now become way more of a voter determination right. than so many things. Because to your point, Arden, it's like, how how is it that sort of like a super unqualified candidate on either side, mm-hmm. right? But like, in our case, we're, we're speaking of, you know, the GOP side, you know, like a like a Herschel Walker candidate, right. where right. it's like, the things that he's said, and his qualifications, it's wild. And that's yeah. just, that is a factual opinion. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter, because to vote for it's the Democratic candidate is to vote for Joe Biden. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter who the candidate is. It matters more about the party mm-hmm. and the person leading the party is now become so much more of a key player. Right. And I think that this will in time and I've always said this because I agree with you Arden that like Trump is becoming less and less and less of a liked figure mm-hmm. that it's going to break the GOP into two very clear mm. factions the mm. trump party and then you're sort of like mitch mcconnell party right 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 you know like that and i think that reckoning is going to come mm-hmm. if he decides to run for president for 2024 which i think he will mm-hmm. so i'm curious i like i and i don't know if anybody i don't know andrew if you agree or disagree with that but like it i just have a hard time wrapping my head around him not running yeah. right i think the thing too about to me Biden, I mean, obviously he is de facto head of the Democratic Party, but I think very much less so in a lot of ways. And we've seen that be true of other people who have recently run for president or been president. Like to me, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were almost more of party leaders than Biden seems right. to be acting yeah. as. Right. So and I think and, right. and I think that's good. Right. For maybe for Democrats in terms of what you're talking about, Lizzie, about like, you know, maybe a vote for the Democratic Party wouldn't be a vote for Biden, but just a vote for this person. And maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's a good thing for the Democrats that the Republicans, that the JP splits into two, 
Because then, you know, like, sure, run your crazy candidate, but they're not going to get elected. You know, it's kind of like the I, what we, we we had that a couple of years ago where it was like, you know, you couldn't get the, the, the left candidates aren't going to get elected in a more moderate election because it's a moderate state. Do you know what I mean? Like, so maybe maybe it'll be a good thing. I've I think you're you're both on to something. And I think that one of the things, yeah, so one of the things everyone agrees on in the United States is that we all think the government sucks. Like everyone does. Yeah. Everyone, no one yeah. thinks it works. It's not like the right is like, we're killing it over <laughs> right, here. Right, right, right. You know, like we're all Rock set. on. <laughs> Change nothing. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> 10 Mwah. out of 10. Chef's no, no. Guess. Yeah, yeah. The, I've been yammering on TikTok about this, but I'm going to uh, jam it in here as I was looking at data on Americans trust in government to do the right thing. And it's been tracked since 1950 and it's gone way down on both sides. Our partisan leanings haven't gotten so extreme. It's not like there are way more of us who are Democrats and way more of us who are Republicans. Mm. Like we kind of have more or less hovered in the same place. But what has changed is we hate each other more. Mm. And as of 2020, the last time this data came out, Republicans or conservatives hate liberals even more than liberals hate conservatives. So I think, Lizzie, you're absolutely mm. right that like no matter who is on the right, you're going to vote for that person. And no matter how unfavorable I think that they are, at least they're not the other side. Right. And so yeah. that like it's called affective polarization, where we just hate the other side so much we can't even bring ourselves to vote. And we, we've seen this for years. We saw this with Obama. We've seen it for a long time, but it's definitely split a lot more since the Obama administration and the last few years have not done us any favors. Right. And so it is this like, the other side is evil. That's all that matters. And you're not, e and, and as we, one thing that I'll say that I think is maybe not as popular is I think, I think you're absolutely right that the Republican party will split. I, I frankly hope that it splits because I would like to see <laughs> the, you know, remember when we were worried about the Tea Party? Like that was nothing. That was compared nothing. To, oh, to that the was like, stuff. Yeah, it's like bring back that the Tea was a Party. Warm up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take some tea. You just like you want to yell about taxes? Perfect. Perfect. Great. I'll, I'll yell about taxes. I would I go back to two thousand eight and give them a hug. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But I think a challenge is that I'm going to maybe alienate most of most of the people I know is that I think the left may be splitting or maybe mm. even from a strategic perspective, ought to split mm -hmm. a bit. And while I agree with the AOCs of the world generally, I think we are turning away a lot of moderates and independents and even people on the right who are not Trump Republicans but are otherwise Republicans feel that they can't go to the left because of wokeism and all the... The, yeah. the little pieces of it that filter their way to Fox News and everything else, which is not representative of the Democratic Party. I think it raises important issues, but it almost yeah. makes the, the left also alienating because of that. So if others could perceive the Democratic Party as split, we might have more people voting Democrat and then we could inch things further to the left. So like, right. I'm on the far left, but I think yeah. a vision of the Democratic Party as more centric could help get people from the right and the middle over to us. Right. And I have long thought that like a vaguely progressive Republican president might hold the country together. Mm. Not that I but want like, that, but just as like a ball. Who is that? That's, I don't know. Yeah. That's, don't that's know. the thing yeah. is like, I, yeah. I, I honestly agree with you on that, yep. that if, if, if like the GOP were to put forth like a vaguely, like any, anybody remotely moderate yeah. As the candidate, landslide. Yeah. It would like be a, a landslide. Yeah. yeah. Because that is 
like what the the voter base is craving for yeah. for reasons that I'm sure are based in science and whatever. For I me, thought you were going to say racism, to but yeah. <laughs> oh, and also racism. No, but like it, it could be, it truly could be anybody. Like I, I genuinely think that if that was, I think that's what like the the world is craving somebody moderate, you know, or like the I would say the general population is craving somebody moderate, yeah. and that person on that top level, the like pool of candidates does not exist. Exactly. Yeah. It, it just like, but like Biden was truly, I think, the closest thing. That anybody could possibly find at that time. And, and, and even he's not that moderate. No, and if anything, you know, be. politically, I'm to the left of him and I am not, was never excited about a Biden presidency. No. I think he's done no. some cool stuff, right? I mean, the yeah. student loans, the blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like you'd have to be in the middle, but not boring. Yeah. And yeah. the risk, I mean, Biden won because I think. The left hates Trump so much. Yeah. Yes. He didn't win. I mean, there were a lot of people, even to the left of me, who were like, I'm not even going to vote. And you're like, are you kidding me? This is, yeah. <laughs> yep. ca- this is wild. Choke on it yeah. if you need to, but cast the vote. Cast yeah. the vote. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say everybody needs to vote. If you're not voting, yes. I don't want to hear you complain. I don't yeah. want to see an Instagram story that is about your feelings on things. Like if you're not voting, it doesn't matter. I don't, it doesn't right. matter what you feel because you're not doing anything about it. And I think maybe it would be fun to close with, Andrea, what do you think is going to happen in the midterms? Oh. On like, oh. you know, like a super general way. Who do, I think we all should answer this. Who's going to take what? Do mm. you have anything that you think might be surprising? Pressure. Oh. I think Republicans are going to take both. Both? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... But I think that Congress is dysfunctional enough that checks and balances mm-hmm. where they're not going to get much done. Yeah. <laughs> hey, circle it back hey. to checks and balances. Yeah. 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 And then I think that gives us a chance in 2020, what year is it? 2024 mm-hmm. for the presidency. Yeah. But I don't expect to be happy on election night in the short term. Okay. Do you think Trump will run for 2024? Yes, unless he dies, which he may. Okay. He's very old. He doesn't look well. <laughs> Fair. Oh, barring Fair. death. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Arden, what do you think is going to happen for the midterms? Yeah, I agree. I think just like historically, statistically. You think they'll take both? Yeah, I think they'll take both. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that it'll be maybe the blowout that we were predicting mm-hmm. originally three, four, six, seven, eight, twelve, nineteen 12, months ago. But yeah, I think I think Andrea's spot on. I'm going to I'm going to be the dark horse in this. I think the GOP will take the house. I think that's I that would that would shock me if they didn't. I don't think that they'll take the Senate. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the Democrats will necessarily gain, but mm. I think that we might hold on to the one vote right majority that we have. Almost useless, so we'll but see. I'm happy with it. I'm happy to have it. I'll, yeah. I'll you know what? <laughs> At this yeah. point you got to you got to take you got to take the yeah. W's where you it's can. It's true. That's that's what I think will happen because I just think that the Senate candidates are so they're they're they personally are doing so poorly <laughs> that I I I don't know I'm putting a little bit of faith in the not, voters. Not all on, of them, not those. all of them, but yes, but but no, just just a couple. Just I think there's just enough doing poorly enough. Yep. You know, like they should. I think the GOP should take the Senate. Like that's it's theirs to lose. <laughs> 
but I think that they may I think they may not pull it out mostly nice. because I don't like it was something Mitch McConnell said a couple of weeks ago where he was he thinks that they won't take it and I was like oh, okay if wow. Mitch doesn't if Mitch doesn't have hope because he he said something about like the quality of the candidates he like mm. it was just kind of a not optimistic statement and right. to come from that level I was kind yeah. of like okay I'll go with Mitch on this yeah. one it always makes me nervous when I when I think those people have good points. <laughs> like when I was like, well, Mike Pence is keeping the country together. I was like, God, I feel I weird. Feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> and really you know, weird. you know, a candidate has to be bad for Mitch McConnell to be like, yeah, not quality. Nope. Not quality. But isn't he the same one who was like, Trump is a nightmare and then became Trump's, you know, correct. Well, of course. The- I'm not, yeah. I mean, look, it only lasts for so yeah. long. Yeah. If, if they do take the Senate and these abysmal yeah. candidates do end up getting power, he's going to be like, I love working with these mm-hmm. colleagues. Oh. Talk about top notch people. <laughs> you know, like it, it, he will flip, but I've never barfed and- more in my mouth at a podcast. I conversation know. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> what can we say? Oh, well, only God. time will tell, and sure will. we will be probably heavily drinking on election mm-hmm. night. But before we let you go, can you tell us everything that you're up to, what's going on with yes. your podcast, all of the sure. things? You have a new season, right? You have a new season I have coming? a new season. Yes, indeed. So my podcast is majoring in everything because I got <laughs> upset talking about politics so much. Uh, but I will bring <laughs> back Ask a Political Scientist one of these days. But majoring in everything is where I interview people who – specialize in and do more than one seemingly unrelated thing. And I am talking to them about how difficult their lives are to actually do two things in a world that wants you to specialize and the unexpected overlaps between their various fields. Uh, So actually, my most recent guest was Dino Bidala, who's a radio personality on Sirius XM. um, And he's like a political analyst and writes for CNN. He's actually very inspiring on the Hmm. importance of staying active if you want to save democracy and he's on the left mm. and he's a big activist. So he's someone to follow who will actually kind of keep stoking the fires on the left. Um, and he's a former lawyer, was a page on SNL and he's a comedian. So he's like awesome. And oh, awesome. Him. Yeah. Very uh, cool. And otherwise, yeah, I'm, I am yammering about uh, political science on TikTok and Instagram at Jonesroy, J-O-N-E-S-R-O-O-Y. Amazing. Well, Great. we can't wait to have you back. As Thanks our for having me. Resident data yeah. expert. <laughs> um, the midterms make me feel bad, but you do not. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> you maybe, make me feel may- bad. yeah. Uh, I was going to jinx everything. I was like, maybe I'll come back and talk about good data, but let's not get ahead. No, of my God. Wait. Oh, my God. Don't jinx it. No, take no, back. no, no. Take yeah, it back. Yeah, take it back. I will look back fondly on this positive conversation relative to the next, even more miserable conversation we'll have in the future. <laughs> obsessed obsessed perfect thank you so much andrea and to our sweet sweet listeners we love you so so much and we will see you next wednesday goodbye bye